0: Welcome to Two Good Mums, a podcast about our experience of forced adoption. I'm Laura, and my baby CJ was removed from my care when he was five months old.
1: And I'm Peggy. I adopted CJ along with my husband Chris at 15 months. And over the course of this podcast, we're going to be sharing our story of how we became Two Two Good Good Mums. (laughs)
0: We'll probably be able to tell coming off the introduction that you will have heard that we sound a bit different this time around and that's because we're still in oh. lockdown <laughs> and we're having to record this over uh, microsoft teams peggy might sound okay because she's still using all of the equipment but i think i uh, we, we gave this a little test and listened to it but i think i sound a bit Um, different like I'm through the phone line or something so if you're wondering why we sound different we apologize but um, hopefully it's not too bad Uh, you can still enjoy listening. In this episode we're going to be discussing um, my pregnancy my latest pregnancy with um, shall I give the sex away now (laughs) (laughs) with a, a little girl the pregnancy was the, the the very end of 2018 very beginning of 2019 because you'd gone away hadn't you and uh, yeah. come back to the email saying that I was pregnant again um, <laughs> yeah. so it was a rocky start to the pregnancy we a couple of times thought we'd lost the baby but everything progressed and um, she hung on in there and I got sick as I did with all of the others. So I was
1: in and out of hospital. Do you want Uh, to talk about that sickness? Because it it sounds like, it doesn't sound as serious as it actually is.
0: Yeah. Um, So I get hyperemesis gravidarum when I'm pregnant. It's a a rare pregnancy-related illness. You are basically um, sick constantly throughout the entire pregnancy, all day, every day. You... Your body goes into starvation mode because even if you can eat, you can't keep what you take down. Um, so you end up in hospital on drips and sometimes it can be as severe as needing feeding tubes and things like that. I was lucky not to need that, but it, I very nearly did. Um it's
1: life-threatening, isn't
0: it? It is, yeah. For me, in the past, um, it's been so severe that my organs and my body started to shut down. And so it can, it can be life-threatening. I I run um, a group for women to support them through this illness. I've been doing that for 12 years now. And I have known maybe I can count on one hand, luckily, but that there have been people who have died because they just didn't get the treatment that they needed.
1: Um, So so we're not under calling this. This is a serious condition. It is a very, very serious condition. Well, what I've read about it too, is that, um, it can be that each subsequent pregnancy, it gets worse. Was that the case for you? Yeah, for me up until this pregnancy, it it definitely was the case.
0: The pregnancy that I had prior to Ava's was the worst and and I wouldn't have made it if we'd have continued with that pregnancy, which was the decision into um, sadly having to say goodbye to a much, much wanted pregnancy. And that's also the trend that I've seen on the group that I run Most people, um, most women on there do find that they have worse pregnancies
1: the more that they have. I think it's important to kind of really share that because it adds to the how desperately you wanted this baby.
0: Yeah, yeah. At that time before we started thinking about getting pregnant again, we had actually said we wouldn't try again because, because of what it did to me the last time. And we said we'd have a life without children, but then I wasn't ready to give up. So we actually had to go and have a meeting with a consultant and put a very um, strong and detailed medical plan in place before I could even think about getting pregnant. And I think that really added to why this time around it was better, because I got the medication and the treatment that I needed
1: quicker than I would have otherwise. Right. What would normally happen?
0: Um, you would have to go to the doctors and then they would try you on the the weakest sort of medication first and then you would just keep on going through a list of medication getting stronger each time until you reached one that worked or you got to a point where there wasn't anything stronger you could get. Um, so so did you leapfrog
1: that by this they pregnancy? Did, yeah. yeah, so
0: basically they said, so what hasn't worked for you in the past? And we, we just said, right, forget about all of those and they said is there anything that had any kind of impact and so we we started with that one and then an added one that I hadn't tried before because I don't think it was available for this condition per se when I was last pregnant so they tried me with the one that had slightly helped and then another added new one on top of that and together they did significantly help even though I still ended up in hospital on drips on fluids and I had to take quite a lot of the medication to make it work and it had to get higher and higher as I went along and I still lost weight but I, I managed to be able to get through the
1: pregnancy obviously yeah. um, so you hung I, on long enough until, until oh, yeah. Ava was viable
0: yes yeah that's the uh, other
1: thing is the prematurity because you've all all your births have been premature is that to do yeah. with this condition yeah
0: they haven't been able to say it either way but they have said that the fact that i was getting weaker during the pregnancy instead of stronger and losing weight instead of gaining it certainly wouldn't have helped
1: right
0: and um, but they, they, there's no way for them to be able to say that it was the definite cause although the fact that i've had that every single time yeah. certainly would
1: um support the fact so with your med the, you know it's important that with your medical history you yes. you knew this was going to be a a, a difficult, stressful, life perhaps life threatening pregnancy. Oh yeah. Could I even point out that you you were on um you were on this BBC News? I was yeah. yeah. This
0: time round, um, I I had someone from the news reach out to me just to join the group at first, and then she found out through that that I was currently um going through it, and she was looking for someone who was able to video diary and um, do some video diaries to uh, record their sort of daily or weekly life with HG in order for them to make uh, a news cast for international HG day which is on the 15th of May every year and so I did that because to be honest I was doing that anyway for my own because you know I make I make videos online sometimes so I was documenting the pregnancy anyway so I, I had been doing it and so I put myself forward and we moved forward doing that and um it was a very very successful uh video I think it's currently on it, it's over now 1.5 million views and Can it was mean, on the on. news during the day and and the evening and my mum was like oh so."
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was national news as well It wasn't just local. Yeah, was. i remember you saying that you were going to they were going to interview you and then uh, ironically that you were too ill to to actually travel for the interview so they ended yeah. up putting your 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 video diary on so i mean that is a lot of scene setting but i think it's really really important because um this was your last chance to have a baby
0: it was yeah we t- we said i wanted one last try and if it if it didn't work it didn't work it wasn't meant to be um it was just time for us to move on and just enjoy our life without a child but then luckily the cards sort of all fell into place we got pregnant after giving up and <laughs> luckily the hg this time even though it was still incredibly difficult and really challenging mentally it it i got through it it was a much better experience. Like mm-hmm. it's a very good experience to go through. It was better than it it could have been. Mm. So, um, okay. very very lucky through that.
1: So on top of that, we're lay layering one thing on top of another. So yes. last roll the dice with being pregnant, knowing you're going to have a difficult pregnancy that might be life threatening, uh, and also knowing that you um, have a history of delivering early. Uh, so all these things were stacked on top of, what else did you have? Social services. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> you'd think I had a lot of involvement with them, but it's it's actually... Um, been kind of the opposite way around this time I guess which was problematic
1: wasn't it because they left it too late
0: (laughs) yeah it was a lot of me chasing them which kind of seems a bit backwards in uh, the child proceedings (laughs) (laughs) you don't often expect you to chase them do you so it's um it was a different experience to what I'd experienced before but um yeah it's uh I I told them the same as I had any other pregnancy I called them as soon as I found out I was pregnant Uh, I found out on the Sunday I called them on the Monday and they said it's okay we don't need to know until you're 12 weeks I fully expected not to get to 12 weeks but when we did I called them and told them I was now 12 weeks can you please send someone round and and, and, um, can we get things moving can you tell me what I need to do Um, is there anything I can do in the meantime they couldn't even speak to me it was always um, someone who didn't really know what I was meant to be doing that I spoke to. And they said that at some point I would be assigned a social worker. And I think that took until 17-ish weeks, there or thereabouts. And I finally had the first social worker come round and introduce herself. And luckily she was and has been an amazing. Amazing. She restored my faith in what i would have wanted a social worker to be in the beginning uh, uh, when this all started this she was what i thought social workers were meant to be like she was supportive she she asked questions and listened to the answers and put down exactly what i said she didn't mince my words she didn't if, if there was anything i needed to know she answered Or if she couldn't answer, she got the answer. But it did become very obvious very quickly that A, they were incredibly understaffed. And B, she, as much as she liked me herself, she was not the one making the decisions. And so
1: she could only do so much herself. Can we take those things one at a time then? But you mentioned two things. Firstly, that they're understaffed. So how did that impact on your pregnancy? Oh gosh. Um
0: the overall timeline, they were aware that there was a strong chance that I would be early. And so they were meant to be getting an assessment done for me and the hope was that they would do that before I got to a stage where it was dangerous for me to be doing anything and going for far away from home. But because of their short staff, anytime my social worker was away, there was nobody, there was nobody to take over her. It just sort of stopped and froze. And so nothing really happened. Mm. And so by the time it got to a point where I was due, it, it was too late. It, the the, the just lost time completely so their lack of staff meant that things that were meant to be done in the process were, were, weren't were done before she was
1: born so I I know that throughout the pregnancy you were always telling them that this is going to you know this baby's going to come early that Uh, you have difficult pregnancies, so you you can't always be available because suddenly you might be in hospital, that you were really constantly telling them these important things to help the process, to help speed up the process. Do you feel that you were listened to and heard? Um, By my
0: social worker, yes. But by the people that actually made things happen, no. I think they maybe they either couldn't because they were short staffed but I did also get the impression that they just felt that it wasn't as much of a rush and you would think that a lot of people were saying well isn't that a good thing because if they were that worried they'd be doing it quicker but it doesn't give you that kind of sense it what it gives you is a sense that they don't feel like it's as important and that you're not your case isn't important to them. Mm. Um, and so you lose that sense of feeling like they're there to help you because it just feels like they're dropping the ball constantly.
1: It, it sounded to me, and because obviously we're in email regular email contact throughout the pregnancy, it sounded to me that um, they were understaffed and stretched and that, yeah, it, you just kept falling off the radar at the bottom of the to-do list. Yeah. Um, and without somebody there... inside social services like your social worker championing hang on this has to be done this has to be done
0: yeah yeah it was very very much like that and she did as much as she could but unfortunately during my time she was away on holiday quite a bit and um, and then uh, was sick Uh, so there was a lot of times where she wasn't there and and at one point, actually had to be off for an extended amount of time, right at the worst point mm. <laughs> uh, when we were expecting things to be happening, such as the assessment coming through. And and when she left and wasn't there, there was nobody. At first, they did tell me that they would get somebody to take over, but that never happened, mm. and they just left it the entire time. So it, it was frustrating because I, all I wanted was for someone to tell me, if our little girl would be able to come home with us when she was ready to come home. And um, th- th- they couldn't get me that answer.
1: Mm. So the the second point that you made was that as much as you liked your social worker and you felt that she was uh, liking you and on your side, Yeah. when she went back to her office, she wasn't the one making the decisions. And this has been a theme that we keep returning to, mm. That people are making decisions who haven't met you, yes. who are removed from you, who you know, who have. So, from my memory, and it, you know, it wasn't that long ago. From my memory, um, things were going well, and until um, it was the the panel
0: when it went to the panel, and my social worker was quite happy for everything to, of course. Sp- smoothly and lightly and, and them just have a very very light touch but it was actually the panel who said who wanted more input um, and they wanted Ava to be on the child in need register and questioned whether she would need to be on a more serious register where they would have more involvement
1: and we wouldn't have parental responsibility there was some question. So what does that mean in practice does that mean they were going to remove her from birth?
0: No. no, that well that they that I never got that answer. <laughs> um they still couldn't give me that answer. What they wanted before even being able to tell me that was um an assessment, a mental health assessment. Something that I don't think we've mentioned much, um, because we knew this episode was coming up. Was that my mental health was in question in the first assessment with CJ that was in question. It wasn't the main point at that time but it was certainly um a sticking point for them and so in this one one of the the main points in fact the only point really at that stage was my mental health and so they wanted me to have an assessment I had an assessment when CJ's care proceedings were going on I had another short assessment Not during RJ's proceedings, but just after, for no reason, because he'd already been... um, So what was that about then? I think that at that point, it was just so that they could have on record um, (laughs) that whether I had improved in that short amount of time, and just as a bit of backup when they went back to the courts to do the the last official adoptive proceedings and things, and they could just stick that in there and go, oh, by the way, we did get this done, but
1: so Um, if we think back to episode five which mm. was the rj episode uh we came to the conclusion that there was a a going through the motions so this was as you say just a tick in the box we've got the assessment and and their problem with why they were going through the motions was because they said not enough time had elapsed for you to address things
0: yes Uh, which was my mental health which is Mm. what they were talking about when they said that because I, i I think at some point they, f- they maybe might have realised that they couldn't put as much weight on the injury as they maybe would have liked. And so it kind of developed into actually talking about my mental health not being adequate,
1: enough.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> adequate enough to pa- to parent, basically. And so that became a big theme. And I think the two of them sort of merged together in the CJ's proceedings and then with RJ's that even though they'd already decided he would be going into adoption, I think at that point they did it afterwards just as a kick in the teeth. It kind of felt like, and I mm-hmm. think they felt that it would come back equally as bad as the first report, mm-hmm. and that um no, it didn't it actually said i that they could see and it was the same person who saw me, mm-hmm. and that person actually said that she saw a vast improvement, and in the report said that she felt. If I had support and worked through my issues and had the therapy that everyone said I needed, then I would be able to, at some stage in the future, be a good parent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, and she noticed things that she hadn't noticed before. So it was, it came back a positive one, but at that point, was
1: it didn't even matter anyway. Mm, it was um, all too late by then, another, it, another events it, had overtaken it. Yeah and I don't think it was positive enough to have changed their minds yeah. anyway. So that was sort of there's about 10 years between RJ's and yeah or maybe a bit more even. Yeah. So so time has elapsed.
0: Yeah, and so they they said despite the fact that there was 10 years in between and that my social worker was more than happy for us to have our daughter come home and everything like that she um they they didn't agree and they were adamant that an assessment would be needed and so they asked for the assessment to be done and uh what a mess they made of it (laughs) (laughs) so we haven't said this yet our daughter was born early surprise surprise um she was born at 31 weeks and then they were in a bit of a rush. (laughs) They suddenly was like, oh, what can we do? Trying to get this assessment done. Prior to this happening, they were in talks of sending me to this therapist that they found, the psychologist. And the psychologist was in, I've forgotten
1: where I even went for it. It was out of it. It was out of area. That's the key thing. Out of area, yeah. And you don't drive and, and you were ill and couldn't travel yeah,
0: I was heavily pregnant. I was very ill. I don't drive. i it would have been it was difficult for me to travel anywhere. Um, and they wouldn't pay for anyone to go with me. And they actually said they wouldn't even pay for me to go because I didn't want to go on the cheapest option available, which would have been a train. And so they said, Well, I'm sorry, but we're not going to pay for you to get a taxi.
1: And um, well, so like my- could I just jump in there? I seem to recall you. the the taxi was considered but they made you get a quote from that they weren't even looking into you had to get your own quote and then they said that's too much but it was more than a train you had to kind of get a taxi to your local station
0: yeah train
1: and then presumably because you couldn't walk very well Mm -hmm. a taxi to the other end even if you got public transport so it it felt to me at the time that they were completely overlooking the fact that you were so ill (laughs)
0: yeah yeah and heavily pregnant and I shouldn't have been going away from the hospital because, I, you know, they they were aware that I I could have dropped any time. Yeah. Um, and and I would. But have been to send going you out of area
1: was almost irresponsible. It,
0: it was, yeah. It felt very irresponsible and just completely. I I just I just think it was very irresponsible for them to to even expect someone to do
1: that at all, in an area that I didn't know as well. So, is it okay if I mention that? expecting you to pay for it to get yourself there as well. Given yeah. you had all you couldn't work, you were unwell, uh you had to have medication in order to maintain the pregnancy that you had to pay for. It's not on the NHS. Yeah. So the pregnancy was a drain on your finances anyway. Yeah. Uh so you weren't best placed to be spending money going to you're
0: getting no. taxes
1: out of area and back again.
0: Yeah, true.
1: And you had they to have two just, assessments. Um, you had to go twice as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. But I knew this was... I, I knew they weren't going to back down. We did try and and get them to see if they could bring the person here. But as they are working from their office and they've got other people at either end of my appointment, it, it's just a bit unrealistic yeah. um, for them to come to me. So my sister ended up taking me um, in the car and I got there. When, when was this though? This wasn't before Ava was born though. This was after Ava was born, when we eventually did book for the assessment to take place. This was about, this was bang on three weeks after she was born. So they knew she was in hospital and they knew at that stage that there was um, some issues going on with her health. Ava, a week after she was born, uh, was diagnosed with something called an IVH bleed. And she was grade four, which is the most severe. It's a very, very serious thing.
1: It's a bleed on Um, the brain though, isn't
0: it? It is, yeah. Bleed on the brain and pressure building in her head, basically. So they knew all of this was going on and they still wanted me to go to this assessment. I was fine with that because I knew eventually, you know, thinking of the long term, it was to get her home when she could come home. So I still went. My sister took me. I got there I was introduced to the psychologist who was lovely uh, which immediately put me at ease because um I was I was nervous going in and we sat down and she asked how I was and I told her everything that was going on and she immediately said I'm going to stop you right there I'm really sorry but I can't do the assessment and at first I thought she just didn't want to do it because she thought, "Look, you've got a little girl in hospital who needs you. You shouldn't be here. Go back. I'm just going to tell them it's inappropriate to do it at the moment." I felt that's what she was going to say, and so I was like, "No, no, I'm fine. I'm honestly, I just want to get it done. I'll be. It will actually help me if you just do it." And then she told me, "I'm sorry. They should not have sent you because I cannot do a psychological assessment um, within the first
1: Six weeks.
0: Six weeks of being uh, from birth, basically. So it's due to a woman having, you know, all the hormones are still up in the air and uh, that can affect mood and things. So they want to get you at as you would be normally, not mm-hmm. in this heightened sense of um, everything going on just after a birth. So uh, I can understand it. And as soon as she told me that and I realized actually she did really have to stop it, I burst into tears and I, I got angry. I'm not ashamed to say I was angry at, at social services for not figuring this out beforehand.
1: I remember um, you you telling me that she was angry too because oh, she, she was, had already yeah. told them.
0: <laughs> yeah, she had actually already told them. And they had actually replied to her when she told them and said, no, this is fine. And so we were both angry and again, I'm not ashamed to say, I got a little bit frustrated over the phone with them. We were making calls to them, uh, trying to rearrange, trying to... She did try to go above and beyond and see if there was any way around it that we could do it because of extenuating circumstances and still there wasn't and she had to call it off. But She was really lovely and she actually said, I've seen enough of you right now to know that mentally you are fully capable and you know you've taken this really really well you've handled it really well and I think partially she said that because social services over the phone when I was crying um told me off for speaking to them in a way that they were unhappy with Mm -hmm. um even though I was incredibly unhappy, and I apparently spoke to them with politeness, but I was just crying.
1: Mm. So,
0: um, and and they apparently weren't happy with the fact that I was crying over the phone to them. <laughs> and so I'm, she... I'm going to
1: show real restraint here and not comment. I'm just going to let that <laughs> my my lack of comment speak for itself on that one.
0: So um, she was really nice, and, and I think she could tell when social services said that that i i actually started thinking oh did i say it was have i been in a way that's going to then get me into trouble and so i think she was like no do you know what you've you've acted completely within your situation and you're coping with it really well i would be going i'd be a lot more angrier than you would right now if it was my child so i went away and i had to wait another month however the night uh, when i got back i went back to see Ava at the hospital and uh, that's the night that she was rushed to Leeds and then the next day I had her operation for her shunt so I quickly that's, got over it. That's brain surgery? Yeah she had yeah. brain surgery um, to fit an access device that didn't work and then a week later she had another brain surgery so to fit a shunt and that, that she now has that for life and she's actually developed uh, what they call hydrocephalus so she she has been through a lot herself and I had all of that going on while social services were still not really doing their part very much and and nothing bad to say about my social worker. She was doing the best she could. She came to see Ava in the hospital and, and it wasn't uh, – she didn't sit down and then start asking me questions and that she shouldn't she, – she came – and acted like a friend and she was like is there anything person, yeah yeah she was like is there anything i can do mm-hmm. for you and she didn't mean in a social services kind of way she literally just meant is there anything that i can do for you and and she adored eva eva was born on her birthday i won't say the date but she <laughs> she was they were birthday twins so we're never gonna forget that social worker <laughs> but um look so luckily she was nice <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah uh she really really worked hard to help us as an example of actually how far my social worker went she actually contacted you didn't she
1: she did yeah she left me a message uh, i think you contacted me first and uh, you'd hadn't had a first meet with her yeah and said um would shared where we're at with you know our relationship and because it's so unusual i think she was she was with your permission uh, Going to contact me, and you had to get my permission. So you emailed and said, "Would it be all right?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm your champion. You know, <laughs> let me add her. So um, so yeah, so we we um had a couple of conversations, yeah, uh, and because I think at that point I think what I could offer was that we'd been in touch for a good ten years then, and we'd yeah. been meeting up every year, and and I'm and I sort of made the point because I knew the files as well. I said, yeah. That I have. I know the person. You will see the file. I know the person, and that person has been the same person for ten years. So yeah. I, and I said, and I think I know you so intimately because of you know the way we communicate. There's something about the email process that we can say things to each other yeah. on the email that you per, we perhaps wouldn't even say you know face to face, would we? Um, no. True. <laughs> so so I know you quite quite intimately, and. So I can, with real confidence, say that you—you know—you have always been you. You've been steady. You know, the, the person that she meets, and again, you are likable. <laughs> the person <laughs> you are, that she you you is you. you
0: know, yeah, you
1: are authentically you. When you know you're not, I, I think over ten years of of the amounts of emails we've had, I would have picked up any any kind of thing that was not genuine about you. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that's what I could really contribute to the, to her. Having confidence in 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 her own judgment, I think.
0: Yeah, that I wasn't just putting on a show for her. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And I thought that, and I also, I th- I thought I knew you better than most people, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, probably. I don't. Sadly, Not I don't. Stuart, obviously. Of... <laughs> True. Um, I don't have a lot of friends. I don't. Well, I don't have friends. That sounds really sad, and I think people think I'm just doing a pity party when I say that but I, I actually literally don't have friends that I go out and see socially I, I don't I lost them a long time ago and so I just have people that I kind of I have you that I've seen but we kind of our friendship built over the internet over email um, and then I have people that I know on Facebook but that I don't see so the only kind of genuine real friends that I have are Stuart and then my family And so I think if she'd have sat down with any of them, she would have kind of thought, well, of course, you're going to say that you're her husband, you're her sister, you're her mother. Mm. So it it was a bit, there wasn't really um, a great deal of people that could have had my back.
1: So Mm. it was very nice that you did. (laughs) I was privileged to be able to do it as well. Just on that idea that your friends are are more online was um, something else that I I was concerned that they wouldn't factor into the assessment. We've talked before about the generational divide, you know that. Yeah. That? Yeah. Um, I was aware that one of their concerns was that you didn't have this support network around you and that you were, you know, you're at home and didn't have a car and all this sort of thing. And I wanted to turn that on its head. And I said, look, but that's almost a strength because you're used to being at home. It's not like you're giving up a job and you're giving up all this daily social contact um, to suddenly be at home by yourself. That was seen as a little bit of a negative, whereas I'm like, no, that's a positive because you're already doing it. That's how you live, and you're 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 socializing. Your the way you connect with people is via social media. Yeah, yeah? you're that- a 21st century babe, aren't you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it actually reminds me that there was something I can't remember what they they called it. It was something like a a, a circle of something or other. They wanted to set up something whereby they would come and have a meeting with certain people in my life that could keep a track of me
1: oh um, yeah I
0: remember that um and and they were like well, so we can get your mum we can get Stuart's mum we can get anybody else I was like well there isn't anybody <laughs> anybody else and then I actually and and this is another part where my confidence came into it I said no I put my foot down and I said no my I'm not saying my mum isn't a support, but she isn't somebody that I would expect to keep a check on me for you. If you're worried, you do the checks on me. Don't yeah. get a team of people who are meant to be family to do your checks for you. And then, and then the sideways to that was they wanted Stuart's mum to come but at this meeting they would have been saying these are our concerns and their concerns were my mental health so they would they without permission from me were saying basically we're going to get your mother-in-law to come <laughs> and we're going to tell her everything that's wrong with your mental health
1: that and we I think said, is wrong with your mental health <laughs> yeah that they think is wrong with
0: and and I was like I'm sorry but I'm I'm close I, I I love her and and I'm open with her but I she doesn't need to know that my mental health what's going on there and even my own mum she doesn't need to be told by you what what you think my mental health is and this is them saying before the assessment came back that you think there's something going on with my mental health I said the best person who can tell you and control my mental health is me and therapy has taught me that
1: good for you yeah, so, and, and I, and so I, I remember had, that it was so intrusive. The idea—it was, you know—it's like a visual of all these people sitting around, and they've given you a, like a a kiddie stool stool to sit on or something—that you, <laughs> you were somehow diminished by that that process. That t- it was almost a misuse of power.
0: Yeah, it w- it felt a bit like they were saying they they'd already decided that I couldn't do this alone. Yeah. Um, and I remember feeling like I just wanted to shout at them that you've not even given me the chance to do this alone. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you weren't here, I'd probably be more capable because it's you that are affecting my, in fact, uh, there was most of the stages of this entire thing, my enti- my pregnancy, uh, after the pregnancy, the most stressful thing I had
1: in my life was them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't think they understood that. And and that when you stood up to them and said, no, I, I draw the line at that. Up mm-hmm. until then, um, you were very much, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to get their backs up. It was it was yeah. always, I will do whatever I need to do to kind of, you know, um, just, you know, not have, you know, like go along, get along, make it happen. And and there's something that was, you know, you again, finding your voice going, you know what, enough. I'm not yeah. doing that and it, as weird as it might sound it, it seemed to work for you because you stood up for yourself yeah yeah
0: there's a there's a line between what they need and what i need and if what they need is detrimental detrimental to what i need then i needed to say so um because it would have just brought out f- worse things in me um, it would have made the situation worse if I'd have gone along with doing things that they wanted me to do. Um, a lot of the things that they wanted me to do along the way were things that could have been bad for me mentally. Um, so, damaged your self worth. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm I'm glad. I mean, I didn't see that I was doing that until the end. Um, but I guess even along the way, me saying that, oh, no, I'm not going to therapy uh, on public transport on my own. And I'm not doing the- I guess I was kind of doing it all along without really realizing it. Mm,
1: but there was a lot of stress attached to that. Yeah. yeah. The decision to say, no, I'm not having my mother-in-law watch me on your behalf. Yeah. Uh, and and therefore let her have access to all your concerns that may or may not be even valid. I mean, that, that was quite assertive. And I, the, I I never picked up a sense of stress about that that was no enough that was a yeah. real kind of point where you said no i, I i've jumped through your hoops yeah. you know i just you just keep giving me harder and harder hoops enough with the hoops mm.
0: um it's strange because i'm i'm a very open person people on who follow me on twitter will know i where i have issues in life i like to advocate so i am open and i talk about things um quite openly so that I can share and help others to not feel alone or that it might help them want to speak out. But I do it on
1: my own terms. Mm-hmm. So there's a quiet power in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just but comment God. that throughout your retelling of this now, yeah. uh, I, I live this with you. <laughs> and yeah. you are you are putting a really kind of um matter of fact almost tone on it. And you were so stressed.
0: I was yeah. very, very stressed,
1: and and a lot of that stress um, came from the way it was handled. Be- yes. And and if you're if you're not going to say it, I will, <laughs> <laughs> because I was there, as in you know, I was on the other end of the email, um, and I and I was so aware uh, of of what you were going through, and I was on your behalf. I was so angry at how. Mm cocked up the whole thing was yes yeah? Yeah. um could I just throw in my tuppence as well and I, and full disclosure I'm going to say that you at the beginning of the pregnancy you were so stressed about social services because of the sort of pregnancy you knew you were going to have you you knew all of these things and you and you anticipated everything that went wrong Yes. The, from the social services point of view. But my was like, oh, you've had some bad – in my mind, you know, I hope it didn't come across this way. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, Laura's had some really bad experiences. It's, it's only natural she will feel this way and be concerned and, you know, and and I'm sure it will be fine because it's been yeah. so long and you've got a stable relationship and you've had your therapy, if you don't mind me saying, and you, yeah. you know, you've, you've done everything you can do. To be in the best possible position for this, and you've and you've repeatedly gone in and told them, and you know, and I remember even saying that hearing you say, but there were things like they said that you didn't contact them because the the midwife had to did it in the end, and and yeah. you're like, but I'd contact you just so many times, you know, <laughs> but, they, but it was presented as though you'd failed to tell them. these, yes. these they are all the little things that went every step of the way. Uh, it was so frustrating, and I got to the point where I thought. Guess what? Laura is not exaggerating this experience. This is so stressful. I got so angry on your behalf, mm-hmm. and um, I was I was ready. I don't know if you know the expression to man the man the mattresses or go to the mattresses. It's it's out. No. Of <laughs> it's it's the best way for me to sum it up. But again, it's my mature thing. It's, it's a quote from the Godfather movie where they are about uh. to go to war with another mafia family. And the expression is go to the mattresses, meaning I I think it means put the mattresses up against the wall. as defense for bullets right, going in. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> I was ready to go to these mattresses because, I, I, you know, I just thought it would be so unfair for you not to have over at the end of this process when you had done everything right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very true. And it was, um, and actually, yeah, this is a good point to say that w- we were so stressed collectively between emails to ourselves and I could tell that you were getting um, stressed on my behalf as well. And that's when we sought the the help of the solicitor because
1: things weren't moving along properly and you helped me with that. Well, um, full disclosure, we got the solicitor a solicitor first. Yes. Um, and and again, it was me thinking. Well, if you if we found you a solicitor, you will feel more reassured that things will go better this time. It was yeah. early early stages before I realised that. Hang on, we need mattresses as well as solicitors. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, it was it was almost if I can put it out there, I was almost humoring you. I was thinking, let's. I want to de stress this situation for you in whatever way I can. So let's find yeah. a solicitor so that you feel supported. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. That solicitor didn't work out yes because can we
0: <laughs> the very first one yeah um data protection issues they just were got to put it bluntly rubbish <laughs> they sent you other people's <laughs> Yes, they sent me other people's information yeah repeatedly <laughs> well, repeatedly twice we actually told them the first time they did it and then they did it again and yeah. um, so we were like well i don't want you sending my information to someone else so we'll pass Thank you, so, yes, yeah, so we so we let go
1: of those guys, yeah, and um and then we were like, what, and we we're uh, still early days, and we thought, well, you know, by which point you it was more difficult for you to go and meet solicitors and engage with them because you were getting becoming unwell. And we thought, well, let's just not make things worse in terms of tra- trying to get you to travel and stress you out because we didn't really think we'd need one, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was like if if it comes to the we think you'll need one, then we'll engage. um. And it did happen that we, <laughs> we thought, yeah. hang on a sec, <laughs> the, there are there are social social services balls being dropped all over the place. Let's engage because we yeah. need them to hear that you know we're not going to roll over on this. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I'm using the term we, and you know, you know. Just <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was very much like that. It was um, they were just so lacking in getting anything done. And what they were doing, they just weren't doing right. (laughs) And communication was horrendous with them. Um, And again, I want to stress, not my social worker. It, it, It was all above her. She was doing the best she could. It was all the people behind her, the people that you don't meet that make the decisions. They were the people that were dropping the ball and miscommunicating and... It was horrendous, and and did feel like we really did need that solicitor, and so we went and we met with one, and Peggy made sure that she had lots of questions to make sure that this person knew what she was doing, and uh, came out of that meeting feeling like yeah, she 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 knew her stuff.
1: Yeah, but still, her advice was just, um, I think our, our our main thing was that you should not leave the hospital without your baby. Yes, and and she her first thought comment was. Well, you know, you know. Let's, d- yeah, yeah. You don't want to do that, but just hang in there, stay longer. You know, like while they do the assessment. Yeah, she was like, and "Well, why don't we
0: get the hospital to keep her longer?" And it's like, "Well, we're not trying to delay her coming home either." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that
1: didn't seem right either. So you're no. quite adamant about that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I felt that you really found your voice.
0: I think I did. Yeah, I think it, the more that they seem to do wrong or the the more that it seemed that they weren't doing anything and the first time I sort of had to call them I I think it was when they sent me to the, the therapy for the first time and on the and I couldn't do it and I realized and I don't like to use this word but they felt incompetent and that's the first time that I had truly thought that actually and I think it might have been what the therapist said to me as well, but I, I genuinely felt confident that I was doing right and they were doing wrong. And it gave me the confidence to to take charge more mm. and to say what needed to be said and to say that actually, it, look, you're not doing anything. If I have to tell you what you need to be doing, I will do that.
1: Mm.
0: So I, I then started saying, I need you to do this. I need you to do that because my daughter is coming home with us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you found your inner kind of tiger, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: definitely did. Mummy bear, it, came
1: out. Mum, mummy bear, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, it was really having a professional that was being employed by them, saying you're doing all right. You know, your response is yeah. completely normal. It's normal that you would feel angry at this situation. It's normal that you would cry. Uh, yeah. And 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 so that was just enough to kind of go, yeah. And you advocated for your own daughter. Yes. Yeah! Yay! Uh, I, don't, I i, I, I do not think we can. I know you're being really level about this, and I can feel my heart pounding as you tell the story yeah. because, <laughs> because it, you know, it's like don't undercall it. This was a huge emotional roller coaster oh, that was. could have been eased um, by better handling. But also, my at the time, my my thoughts were that they're putting your pregnancy at risk by putting you under this much stress.
0: They did. Yeah. They, um, knowing full well the risks involved in that pregnancy that that pregnancy nearly ended a thousand times Mm -hmm. and their lack of I don't, I don't know the right word, their the lack of compassion. Compassion uh, is what yeah. came to my mind as well. Yeah, a lack of compassion into maybe we should uh, do what's needed and and help this girl relax mm. <laughs> while she's pregnant and a very stressful pregnancy. And it's they don't take any of that into consideration. And I know a lot of that is to do because they're so understaffed that they almost can't take that into consideration. But what they need to take into consideration is the fact that the things that they are doing wrong can affect someone's... If if I hadn't have been as strong, if I had have been the same vulnerable young girl that I had been in the beginning, their incompetences could have meant me not getting my child. Mm. And it would have been their fault, Mm. not mine.
1: And what is frustrating is that there would have been no lessons learned either.
0: Yeah, because they, I, I, I don't think they think, give it a second thought about when they do something wrong. I don't think they take ownership for it. When they sent me to the therapist at the wrong time, not a single person owned up to who it was that read the email but didn't read the email, mm-hmm. <laughs> responded to this email but didn't actually pay attention to the fact that I shouldn't have been going. Mm-hmm. And uh, even, I even spoke to the manager there. And she didn't even, t- nobody Nobody apologized yeah. for any of the mistakes that were happening. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's just no ownership and no responsibility and no accountability going on there. And it, I wanted to come into this and desperately feel like I knew I had grown up and I had done what they needed me to do. But there were things about social services that needed to have improved as well. And I can't confidently say, other than my own social workers um way of working and how she was with me, the the processes behind her and the um the association behind her, I don't feel has changed from when CJ and RJ were taken.
1: Mm. And
0: I think so I think it is only because I had you and I had a solicitor and I had more confidence. I think that is the only reason that it still went the way it went. Mm. And I think someone who was in the position that I was in is probably still being failed.
1: Got to point out too, that when we started recording the podcast that you were still under observation by social I was. services.
0: I was. Yeah. It was only, um I think it was around about that time, one or two weeks into it and um, that they, they told me that everything was fine. And um, I haven't even, I still haven't gotten a letter, but obviously I think it, with the coronavirus and everything going around, um, that's possibly why. But I still haven't gotten the official letter to say that we've we have been, um, I don't really know what you call it, disbanded from them? Or <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the, the term is, but yeah, we uh, we're no longer, she's no longer a child in need. Uh-huh. And, and and that's what happened after the assessment uh, well before the assessment because they couldn't get it done she did come home after everyone's hard work the social worker came in on her days off and she tri- tried tried so, so hard she went above and beyond to get Ava home and she came home on her due date, her original due date she came home as a child in need and so what was meant to happen was they were meant to come round once every week, and they did for probably the first four weeks. And then I wasn't allowed to be left alone with Ava the first week, so Stuart, my husband, had to stay home with us that first week. What um, was that and like? That... Could I just... Um, it, it felt like, I don't know, I was almost... I was offended because it was like, have I not done enough yeah. to show you that I can, I, I can do, do it alone? And they're telling him to to stay with me constantly, but it, it's it's unrealistic to think that he might not. You know, he had work, so he had to take an unpaid week off work
1: just yes. to do that. So it made your financial situation even worse.
0: Yeah, it did. And there was it's not like he did anything. He was just there, and and
1: so it it. They ever hap- explain why what they thought would happen if you were left alone.
0: Um, what no. was the risk? They're very much skirted around it. I think because my my assessment hadn't been done at that time. It it had been done, but they hadn't got the report back at that point, and that's why he had to stay that first week because they were getting it in the second week. And then did somebody make a decision, or did a panel have it to had convene, or the panel the <laughs> panel that still haven't met me? <laughs> um, and, but you and had to so wait
1: for panel to decide.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they got it the week that we were at home all together that first week. And then it took them a week to read and decide and things. But it was only the week and then they read the report and they were, then they agreed that, yeah, she'll stay as child in need for six months. So they were meant to come weekly. They did that for about four weeks. And then she kind of dropped down to two, which wasn't meant to, but she kind of did because it just wasn't needed. Dropped down to two weekly, then monthly. And actually, we never even had our last meeting because she just, they were so overstaff- understaffed and she just said it wasn't needed. And so she sent me a message saying, You have been signed off from us um, and I'll send the paperwork when I can. It's been a, a long, long journey, um, but we did get there eventually. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It was hard. It brought back a lot of difficult memories during the pregnancy. as as well it was I think that reminded me a lot of when I was pregnant with RJ because obviously the first time around I didn't have that during the pregnancy so Mm. I had um I didn't have those thoughts so it reminded me a lot of RJ's pregnancy when when I was pregnant and they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing and and then I had a lot of people around me saying it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine and there wasn't a single mostly wasn't a single second during that pregnancy that I actually allowed myself to believe that Ava would come home if I'm honest really? about yeah. it. I think I probably put that on to people and and I, I got excited when people got excited and as much as I could whilst I was sick I was able to get a little bit happy about it. But I genuinely I I didn't want to allow myself to believe that she might truly, really come home.
1: That's and huge. Uh,
0: yeah there was a moment in uh we we i I don't know why we did this but we did it anyway because i think everyone around me knew knew that she would and and i I guess i kind of did but i just didn't want to let myself think about it and hope too much so we we did her nursery we painted her nursery and we got all the furniture that we put and we planned it out and we made like little table a little picture to set out oh this is where we want the cot and this is where we want the wardrobe and we did all that and we picked the paint and we did it all and we got a new carpet and so there was a moment when we finally got everything where we wanted it to be all the pictures on the walls all the teddies and things out ready waiting for her and it was about a couple of weeks before she was born And we were we were in her room during the day, but with the curtains shut, so it was dark. We were testing her baby monitor, and her baby monitor has like a a projection thing on it, so it shines stars on the ceiling, and it plays music. And so the stars were shining on the ceiling, and the baby music was on, and I broke down in tears. Mm. And it was because I had that was the first time I pictured having a baby in in my house and Mm. it makes me emotional thinking about it because it was a big thing to let myself for one tiny second think wow I could actually have a baby at home and that and yeah it was a
1: a big strong moment (laughs) yeah suddenly became real yeah yeah but imagine I'm talking to the listeners now imagine what you have to do you're two weeks off her, her being born to hold it together to fight all the way in terms of fighting your body, fighting Mm -hmm. the social services, the strength that it takes the emotional and physical strength that you can't even let yourself feel positive about will happen in case it doesn't that's just so huge I just
0: if I let myself believe it for a second and it hadn't happened it's just too far to fall
1: yeah too far to fall yeah
0: yeah. I, I just I couldn't I couldn't let myself think think that and and, and that's I think that's why I broke down because I was like I, I just I felt bad for being happy for that tiny little second um yeah. and so I just yeah I just burst into tears and Stuart was like what did I do
1: what did I do what did I
0: do so but yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was a different experience this time around. and as you say, somewhere along the way, I kind of found my voice, and and uh, we did get her home. So,
1: yeah. well done.
0: <laughs> oh, and we didn't mention something that we didn't mention. While she was in hospital,
1: the boys got to see her. They did. Yeah, we, we <laughs> came we came over, um, and that was really special, um, because. We didn't know until we got there, but she was in the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU. Is that how you say it? Yeah. And um, we walked into the, it was like a a main corridor, me and the boys, and there was rooms coming off the main main corridor, and when we walked in, somebody bobbed their head out of every room. So it was like the, the sort of a, a comical kind of show where they, they're about to burst into song they all pop their head out <laughs> smiling and, you know, you just saw their torsos on an angle. And I looked and thought, uh-oh, what, what happened there? I mean, they're all looking happy, but that's all right. So I said to you, I said, um, what was all that about? And you said, uh, well, because um, because it's the nikku, only siblings are allowed in. And yeah. then, and so you had to explain. I mean, they knew circumstances anyway because of social services, um, but you had to explain who the boys were, and um, and the boys when they heard that they just puffed up so so huge that <laughs> oh you know we're special we're siblings <laughs> yeah that was a huge moment for them yeah yeah and um, and we're all re- we're keen that um, you and I and, and the boys are keen that they, they the three of them go up, grow up knowing each other as well and then we have a lockdown. So, they've waved at each other over Zoom or meeting teams or something. Yeah. so, but we you know we'll get together as soon as we're allowed to. yeah, yeah. So next episode will be our final episode. I know. and um I, I kind of thought it'd be helpful uh, to just tie up loose ends almost. like there's a yeah. few things along the way that we've not discussed that that might be helpful to discuss. And do I mention that we've got a guest next week? Next? Yeah. Yes, maybe, maybe not who, but um, yeah. a very
0: special guest. As usual, if you want to keep in touch in between episodes, we are on social media. We are on Instagram.com forward slash Two Good Mums. We're on Twitter.com forward slash Two Good Mums. And we also have a Facebook group um, where you can come and have a chat if you want to. And that is Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Two Good Mums.
1: Thanks for listening. I'm Peggy.
0: And I'm Laura. And together we are
1: Two Two Good Good Mums. Mums.